Welcome to the Sports Equity Podcast. Here we talk to special guests from teams, brands, and agencies to discuss the value that sports brings to business through current trends and best practices with your host, Brett Weisbrot. Our guest is no stranger to the sports business today, spending time around the PGA, NCAA, then creating a travel agency for sports fans and fan plan, to now finding the Sports Biz Group Agency and hosting the Sports Biz Pod. Today, we welcome Nick Hayden. Brett, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Of course, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So tell us, uh, take it back a little bit for us. Where did you first get the passion to work in and around sports? Yeah, sports, I've, I've always grown up playing it and loving it. And it was, you know, until like my later teens where I realized, understood the business side of it and how you can really monetize on, on a passion that you like playing it. So like the goal is always to like play soccer professionally, right? And then those dreams usually kind of fall apart like many stories begin in, in sports. But when you start working in it, you can see the, the passion that sports brings where you can, there's no other product or experience out there in, I think the entire world that extracts that from sports where game winning hoop or a, a putt to, to win the masters or whatever it is. Um, there's no type of emotion that sports can pull out of it. And from realizing that early on, um, I knew that was something I wanted to be a part of. And then more recently trying to figure out how to kind of build a business around that. So so back then, you know, you had the opportunity to work both sales and service in some early roles. Which did you like more? Yeah, I think I've been, um, my approach has always been like kind of in the startup world. So it's, um, I've worked for like sales for some, um, you know, like a minor league team. And then for University of South Carolina, I worked, you know, kind of the service side of things. Um, I think they go hand in hand, you know, both of those roles where it's like, now I have to be sales and service. So um Previously, I, I like them both. It's kind, of, it's kind of difficult to pick one or the other. Obviously, service is a lot easier. Sales is a lot harder to go out there and find the, the, the leads and then actually you know, turn that into revenue. So sales is always harder. And you know I like challenges, but um, now it's more it, it goes hand in hand. So it's you have to provide you know, the, the highest quality service and then also be kind of you know, uh, forward thinking and, and, and finding and always being proactive uh, to, to bringing in sales. So it, it's right now it's both, you know, obviously sales are harder and services easier in my opinion, but you know, they have to go hand in hand if you're, you know, running an agency. Yep. Um, you know, obviously service creates sales too, right? So it's, it's yep. important to be buttoned up in both areas where, so taking on moving on more to fan plan, you know, that time of your life, where did you get the idea early on to create a travel agency around sports? Yeah. So my approach when I'm starting a business is how do I reverse engineer an epic life where I can have this lifestyle where it's work, fun, mixed together in a way. And I always love sports, always love travel, love music, love all that type of spectacle. So kind of working backwards on figuring out these business ideas, like I, I, I launched other businesses before that, like a t-shirt company or other type of digital marketing, right? But this was an approach I, I took where I was like, well, if I can travel the world, experience cool events and figure out a way to add value into the ecosystem, then that would be epic. So that, that was kind of my approach for starting it. And I started when I was at the University of South Carolina, came up with the, you know, the name Fan Plan, was able to brand it a little bit, trying to find a niche uh, with, you know, how am I selling that? Is it super high end? So I was, you know, targeting 
um, you know, super high end alumni of say University of Miami and trying to get them on a private jet to go to a ACC championship game versus Clemson or um, took another approach of maybe a cheaper but more volume play of getting a bunch of college students on a bus and sending them up a few miles to a away game that's that's not too far away. So tried different areas of tax and um, that stage of my life, I wasn't as connected as I am now and didn't have as many resources. So it was really difficult to find that door to open. But from doing that, I've learned so much and made a lot of connections. And now looking backwards, I think I'm, I'm always thinking of how could I potentially re bring back fan plan? Cause I, I had to put that business down about two years ago, just with different conflicts and things like that. But I think that was my original approach when, when I was starting it. And, and how, what's your takeaway? How, how did you feel the overall experience was? It was, it was crazy, right? I was doing it when I was in school. So it was um, obviously taking a lot of the priority away from classes. I didn't, I didn't care anything about getting good grades. If I got the bare minimum, that was it. But if I was, learning so much more doing that and getting a lot more thrill. Um, so it was, a, it was a weird time where I had to balance school. I was running um, uh, this program with the Entrepreneurship Club. I was working at the basketball arena, worked the Masters Golf Tournament. So I was like heavily involved. And I think that from that time, I wasn't necessarily like 100% all in. So it was difficult for me to really get it off the ground. But I, I pursued it nearly full time. Um, right out of the gates, I was able to get that um, as internship credit. So I was doing previous internships, but I was convinced my internship director let me do that full time, finished the semester early and did that like pretty much full time in my uh, final semester. So took a swing at it and tried to do it full time. It didn't work out. And then I moved to New York. I was in South Carolina at the time and then I moved to New York. And then that kind of opened up more doors to connections and resources. So and what was the biggest difference in life for you moving from Columbia, South Carolina to New York City? I mean, it was massive. Like, I, I, I think I was meant to be in New York. Um, Columbia, South Carolina, I, I, uh, it was great college experience. And, you know, the hospitality is great. The, the pace is just slow. I, I like upbeat. I like um, a, li a little bit of cutthroat type of personality kind of in that in that competitive environment so I mean there there's a plethora of ways but obviously just speed connections resources everything's at your fingertips in New York and um you know that's that, that was kind of the biggest takeaway I would I would say nice so now you're in New York um now you're in New York you know you're getting more connected right I know we actually were introduced through Jesse Clark at City National Bank so you're building those relationships Let's talk a little more currently. How did you come across the sports biz group, you know, building out this venture and you know, maybe tell us a little bit more about your role with the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I started sports biz group two years ago, uh, probably right around this time, like about two years ago, exactly. And the, the approach was um, kind of similar to fan plan. It was, it was starting with a community. It's all about community and sports. And if you don't have a community, you know, it best with like playmaker, you guys have a great community then you, that's a, I think that's the best way to build a business off the top of that. So previously it was a community around travel experiences, the diehard fans. This one was kind of shifted towards the sports biz community of how do I get people that, you know, work ticket sales at work, um, you know, as an investor that are an athlete, just the whole ecosystem. How do I kind of build a community around that? So that was the first, that was the first attempt. And you know, early days, I always thought it was going to be a business and wanted to really make it, but it started off as a community, bringing in like-minded people, 
giving them resources, being kind to them, making connections um, and, and being authentic. Like it, it can't be transacting right off the bat. It was very like genuine off the front. And I was able to build some really good connections from just genuinely connecting them, putting on events, you know, just reading content, things like that, just to like provide resources. And then from there it kind of scaled out to, you know, putting on larger scale events, working with brands, having athlete relations um, and, and really scaling out where, finding clients that, you know, can pay me on a consistent basis. So it kind of evolved, but the, the whole origin was how to build a community around sports business and be in the mix. And then, you know, if I have the, enough connections and I think any direction I want it to take, then I just have to put my mind to it and focus to it and, and then connect the dots behind that. So, yeah, no, I also like how you mentioned it's important to be relational and not transactional, right? That's really important in, 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 in getting yourself out there and being relevant. What, what do you enjoy most about building a business like this? Well, it's just the odds are so stacked against you. And it's, I, I don't think there's anything more thrilling um, to do that. So, you know, I, I have a lot, I've had a lot of opportunities to kind of take the corporate nine to five route. I just think that I would go insane or, or potentially get fired just for my you know, personality of just being kind of a little bit off the walls or kind of having a lot of ideas. I like working you know, it doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday or late at night or early in the morning, I'm kind of very fluid. So th that type of format doesn't work for me, but I, I like the kind of thrilling aspect of the odds are stacked against you. You're probably going to fail. Um, you know, you're going to fail, but you know, there's a small chance that even that your company will even make outside, you know, make it past that kind of spiral death curve that a lot of startups face. So I think that's uh, thrilling to me. And I kind of get, uh, it's almost like an adrenaline rush or kind of a, an addiction of how do how do I kind of overcome that and, and be, defy the, all the odds and and I think that's um, I'd, I'd rather take that more um, uh, take a route that's a little bit more treacherous or dangerous than something that's safer and, and more guaranteed so that, that's just kind of how I'm positioning it we're just turning up a little bit risk and I might need to turn that back in a few years later in my life but that's that's kind of what I like about it and you say that's also the most challenging or what do you feel is the most challenging for, for, for starting a business? No, for building this business in particular. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, that's that's definitely a challenging part. I mean, sports is hyper competitive and I, I try to shift it where I'm, I'm not necessarily looking to compete. I'm, I'm always looking to collaborate. So it's not a, I, I try to take approach where I'm at all costs. I'm always trying to find a way, even if someone would be a direct competitor from an outside perspective, I'm always looking at like, there's always a way to collaborate and help somebody. So I, I kind of look at it from that approach where, um, I think that's definitely a challenge with just, you know, finding, finding ways to build a team. And then from that team, how do you keep them motivated? How do you, how do you find a ways to keep them paid? How do you keep money coming in the door and balancing everything? So I think it's just a balancing act. And um, from, from what I've seen, I'm, I'm more of a utility tool. I'm not necessarily, I'm, I'm pretty experienced in say graphic design or artwork or, you know, public speaking or pitching or sales, but I, I take a more well-rounded approach and then trying to find, you know, the experts um, that could kind of join my team to be specifically focused on just technology or just graphic design. So, you know, it, it's all a challenge, but, you know, just being well-rounded, I think is helpful. Yeah. With current trends of 2020 in mind, you know, where do you see uh, sports adapting and going in the future? I think it's all esports. Esports is taking over. It was already taking over. Um, that's one side of it. And then artificial intelligence, that's kind of another, another bucket, but, um, with esports, um, as you've seen with all these sports getting shut down, 
you know, basketball, football, all that, they're all back now, which is great, but you can see how, you know, exposed they really were when something like a global pandemic happened. Um, you can't put butts in seats for these games. Um, it's really challenging. And esports, the, the distribution they have from a um, live streaming perspective and um, the, the just amount of people that will pack into arena to watch, um, you know, live gaming is, is incredible. And, from, from my prediction is that it's going to surpass, you know, I don't think the NFL or the NBA, but it's going to compete with, I would say an NHL or an MLB or an MLS. And, and they're going to be in the mix and, and kind of surpass some of these leagues just from the participation. There's low risk of injury. You're not getting concussions or broken arms playing it. So it's great for, you know, youth participation and, you know, great for content as well. So esports is, is definitely taking off. And from all these people that I've interviewed on my podcast or events I've moderated um, as a panel um, and in talking to investors, that's that's where the money's going. And, and it makes sense. And why some of these sports leagues are investing in their own, right? In their own. Exactly. Yeah, you see you see the NBA 2K League. Um, if you've ever been to that, they have an amazing production facility. I, I think it's still in New, uh, Long Island, but they might have moved it. But um, they're investing heavily into the production. So even having, you know, a FIFA, um, you know, league that's kind of supported by MLS or, you know, EPL. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of subsidiary. But even you see these, you know, Call of Duty leagues or League of Legends um, that aren't necessarily as, you know, I'm not an expert on the, the actual gameplay, but – those are even much bigger. Um, if you look at Asia Pacific, um, all, all these different, um, you know, geographics, that's, that's where it's going. So. And how else do you think technology plays a role both in sports and, and what you accomplish on a daily basis? Yeah. So, so I, I, I love um, artificial intelligence and virtual reality, augmented reality. I think right now we're, we're at a point where we have to reimagine the fan experience and using artificial intelligence to help, um, deliver what fans want before they even have to ask for it is kind of a way that artificial intelligence um, from a fan experience perspective and from a team side, right? Um, if you're playing a game and you have trackers on, on the, um, you know, all the players, you can track hydration, sleep, all these things. You can tell when to pull off on pressure intensity on a, on a drill or say you have um, the, a scheme that your opponent's playing and you can, build practice drills or um, plays around that to potentially predict what the, the other team is going to do or most likely to do. So um, it's going to give a huge competitive advantage from an artificial intelligence perspective, but then, um, you know, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, just viewing it and, and um, you know, not taking big hits in practice, but you can still put on a VR headset and, and understand how plays work. Um, there, there's a plethora of ways, but um you know, the, I think VR, AR, artificial intelligence, that's that's kind of the technology side that's I'm, I'm really focused on or excited about. And then talking more about innovation, where do you potentially see innovation in technology with respect to social distancing, you know, at these events? Yeah, so as you've seen with, um, you know, especially the NFL, um, that, that could be a good case study where, you know, they're, they're spaced off. But if there's a if there's a way, I think almost it's kind of a bold prediction, but with just having almost virtual avatars, right. Um, being the stands where if you have a, you know, say an NBA 2k community mode, if you're, if you're familiar with that, where it's think of that, but almost for a real game where you're, uh, um, so I'm a, I'm a Ravens fan. I can be walking around M&T bank and, you know, engaging with other fans and then I'm sitting in the stand. So that that's me in a virtual aspect. But then when you're actually there, how do you utilize artificial intelligence or augmented reality inside the stadium to provide, you know, unique content or education about certain plays or players or whatnot. So um, 
everything that's going on, the service has to be super high because it's limited capacity. Um, you probably won't be able to charge more than you were after, you know, before COVID. Um, so whatever experience you're providing for the fans in the stadium has to be just completely superior than what they were experienced previously. That, and I think of all the healthcare, you know, all the proactive uh, cleaning tools and the, there's a lot of technology going into, you know, when they enter and how they enter and, and just, you know, checking that, you know, thermometer temperature and, and things of that, right? So, yeah, you know, from a health perspective, yeah. Yeah, tech is more integrated than ever. So tell us, so now you also have had a podcast pre-COVID, right? Unlike most creating it during this, you know, you've had this for a little bit. Where did you first get the idea to share audio segments? Yeah, so um, I launched it in February, um, right, right at the Super Bowl in Miami. So um, I've been doing a lot of interviews like this, but I've been doing it live streaming on LinkedIn, which is kind of a unique format um, that that was really well received. I've been uh, publishing content on LinkedIn for about four years and been able to get a lot of traction with just um, building relationships that way, almost as a social selling where I'm providing a lot of value to people through interviews, through content, and um, started doing that anyways through through LinkedIn. And then I had all this backlog of audio and I was like, why, do, why don't I just make this into a podcast as well um, and kind of double dip. So kind of, you know, took that same audio and a lot of these, um, you know, live events that I've been doing, um, you know, say like a future of sports event at Microsoft Center, I was moderating it. Um, we had 200 plus people in the room, it was live streamed, and I took that audio into a podcast. So it was kind of like a triple threat option where I was able to do a live event, sell sponsorship, you know, have live content. So it was kind of um, seamless for me to kind of just start a podcast. And then um, you know, recently I, I, I was brought on to, it's called Blue Wire, which is kind of a podcast network that picked me up. So right when I just self-launched it, I was like, Hey, I'm, you know, everyone subscribed to this. They were like, why don't you just join our podcast network? They helped me uh, produce it, you know, in the early days of it. And, um, when I was in uh, Miami for the Super Bowl, I was at this event, there's a lot of athletes, investors around, and I was able to get some pretty high level interviews right out, right out of the gates. Um, and then, you know, now it's just been obviously with pre-COVID or post-COVID, it's always, I think, great to have a podcast just from a um, relationship standpoint, getting to reach out to people and, and talk to them and building rapport. So that's been always my intention. But I, right now I've been um, typically two episodes a week uh, with an athlete, investor, entrepreneur with, with like a sit-down interview like this. And then on Friday I do, it's called the Sports Biz Rundown. So I help get people like up to speed with everything that happened that week, very quick and concise. Um, and then hopefully that gives them updates on the news. Um, I share career openings, events, things like that. So it's kind of um, one, just an interview that could probably be posted any day of the week. And then, um, you know, uh, a day of the week where it's just reactionary to the, to the news. That's great. And how have you enjoyed it so far? I mean, it's been great. It's been keeping me uh, pr proactive and um, throughout, throughout COVID as well. And especially with, um, I'm, I, I love being in person and networking and, and being in the mix that way. And obviously, um, you know, uh, been fortunate, like uh, great for all the connections I was able to make just going to sometimes three events in one day um, to network just back to back to back. Um, you have to rethink how you do that. I think a podcast is a great way to, you know, me reach out to a CMO or a high level athlete um, and not necessarily pitch them. Hey, I want to do this X, Y, Z. It's Hey, I would want to talk to you, hear about you. And then it will make sense to pitch them something afterwards if it makes sense. But um, it's been, it's been fun to keep me uh, proactive and I've been able to um, just, you know, it's slowly growing from an audience perspective, just from, growing the audience on podcast form um, and, you know, have been able to get good traction on LinkedIn, but it's, it's, uh, it's been fun so far. 
Yeah, it's definitely a rapport builder. I mean, I enjoy it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know, I, I can send a cold email to someone and say, Hey, you want to have, you know, 15 minutes and it's kind of, it's kind of almost a burden on them sometimes. But if I say, Hey, you know, you want to talk about yourself, most people will respond. So, um, you know, it, it, it kind of, it, it's a, it's a growth hack, I think. That and people want to hear other people's stories, right? They want to learn best practices. You know, they want to mm-hmm. hear how they do it. And there's a lot of up and coming people that you know, not so long ago where we were wanting to get into the industry and who better to learn from the best. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's good for people, I think either breaking in or even been there for years. And I think if you can take away one or two gold nuggets from it, then that's uh, more efficient. Um, you know, I could read a hundred books, but if I do a hundred podcast interviews myself, in my opinion, that's, that's more worth it, uh, worth my time. It's like on the job training, right? Exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for taking time to share with us today. You know, appreciate the conversation and we will definitely chat soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brett. Thanks for listening to the Sports Equity Podcast, where we discuss the value that sports brings to business. Follow us for new episodes on a weekly basis. See you next time.